If you weren't here last week, I spoke out of Matthew 9 and I talked about self-righteousness. And I talked about how self-righteousness cannot have a, a role in the kingdom. It cannot have a role in our hearts. It cannot take up home in our hearts as individuals. And it really cannot have a home in, in our hearts as a community because we need to purge ourselves of any self-righteousness we have because it is probably one of the most destructive elements or traits to affect kingdom building. When as a person you think you either have it all together or you look down upon people or you know you, you have everything down packed and pride takes over and and pride just dominates and somehow, you know, no one can teach you anything because you know it all or you are the chosen one and you have found the answer and no one else can measure up to that mark. There just cannot be any self-righteousness in our hearts. It's the thing that will keep you small or the thing actually that will keep you going round and round and round the mountain when God says, would you come up the mountain and check out the view up the mountain? And, you know, Proverbs 16:18 says this, Pride goes before destruction. I think the NIV might say pride goes before a fall. But the uh, New American Standard, which is the most anointed Bible, uh, (laughs) it says this, it says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Or haughty, I'm not sure, haughty spirit before stumbling. And so if you weren't here, can I encourage you to go on the website, just have a listen to that message and just allow God to speak to you through that. But this morning I want to talk about and just add on to or, or back what we've sung about today and that is about being made perfect, that God has made us perfect. We've sung today about the cross, we just that song we, we just sang then, you know, I was, I was distant but you draw near, which means now you are near forever. And the Bible calls that word righteous, that we have received the righteousness of Christ through one incredible act of love. One unfathomable, it's hard to describe this act of love. And we would, if we would live our lives out of the revelation of this one incredible act of love, what would our lives look like and, and what would we experience? Because literally God has come to transform every one of us into the image of his Son. What would our lives look like? What would our neighbourhoods look like? What would our families look like if we fully grasped the cross? If we fully grasped the revelation, not just know it in our minds, but actually allow it to permeate into our hearts the fullness of what he paid for. It's totally, it's, it's so indescribable, it's hard to even sort of preach the enormity of what, he, what Christ has done. And my hope today is to remind us I love those words what Mike brought, you know, just to, to remind us, to take us back, because maybe some of us have forgotten today. Maybe some of us are, are feeling tired, we may be feeling disconnected, where we feel distant, although God is very close. It's not God that draws, it's our thinking that's wrong, as Mike said. God never leaves, he's always here. And I want to remind us today in the hope that we can capture a greater revelation of the cross. Because a greater revelation of the grace, a greater revelation of the mercy, not only does that give you a peace that your eternity is done, finished, move on, it catapults you into the future that God has for you. It literally will catapult you at a rate of 
miles per hour as opposed to maybe a snail that's crawling along. If we can capture the revelation, but revelation comes through intimacy. Revelation is we seek it or ask for it and ask God to, to show us, to unpeel, to peel back, to reveal the fullness of the cross. And so my heart is that I want to take you back but move you forward. I hope it'll take you back to the day when maybe you discovered the cross and what it fully means that you would move forward. Is that cool? He said these words, it is finished. I've called this made perfect through one act of love. What did he do? What does it mean, the righteousness of Christ? What does it mean to be perfect? What does that mean? That I am righteous before him. Because I know right now some of you are saying, no, I'm not. No, I'm not, because you didn't see what I did five minutes ago, Greg. You didn't see what I did last night. I'm struggling in this stuff. You know, I've been struggling with it for the last ten years. I don't care. You're righteous in Christ. If you've accepted His blood, what He did on that cross, you are perfect in Christ. When He looks at you, you sit under an umbrella of grace and He sees His Son. He does not see you, He sees His Son. He sees the Son in you. I want to talk about this because if we can capture the revelation of this that holds us back because we connect what He did with our works which becomes conditional yet His love is unconditional and so we can never grab hold of the fullness of what He's done and move forward knowing that I have been made whole, righteous, pure by what you have done for me. Nothing that I could do and can do That's why it is the greatest playing field for every single person. And the invite is for every single person. And that is great news. I'm going to base a lot of this out of Hebrews 10 verses 14, which probably come up behind me, which says, For by one offering, everyone say one offering, one offering, He has perfected, For all time. Everyone say all time. For all time. How long is that? Infinite. The kingdom doesn't run out. His word's going to last forever. All time. He has perfected. Those. Are you a those today? Are you someone that has said and confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and He is your Saviour? Saviour, and what He did on the cross when He said, it is finished, it is finished. So I am one of those. Thank you, Jesus, I am one of those. And it says, who are sanctified. I thank you, God, that you have sanctified me by your blood. I thank you that you have justified me by your blood and that I am perfect. Even though as I move out my life by faith, I stumble, I fall, I make mistakes, I'm hanging on to you, but I am sanctified, justified by your blood, by what you did 2,000 years ago. And I'm not going to let the enemy rob me of that in my mind where the battlefield is. Because I'm transforming my mind through the Spirit. And I'm walking out by faith. And I've got the hope of God behind me. And I'm not going back. 
That is the inheritance for the church. And that is what I hope today that God reveals to you as I speak and share. Because it is for everyone, bought and paid for, but it is the thing that a lot of Christians that I meet struggle in. Am I? Am I not saved? I don't know. Can I go? But I'm doing this. But what about this? But what about this? And so we sit on the fence, not fully sure, while God's going, let's get this nailed down once and for all and inherit your inheritance with what I've invited you to. Amen? Because it says, for by one offering He has perfected Him, God Himself, for all time those who are sanctified. So number one, I want to break that into three areas and I'm going to rip it apart and hopefully try and paint some pictures for you. But it says, for by one offering. You see, what Jesus did on the cross, He did once and once only. He didn't need to go back and do it over and over and over and over again. No, once and once only. It is not the end point. It is the starting point. Sometimes we think, I'm saved, that's it. It is the starting, it is the first door that you walk through and there is another door which you're to walk through called to walk into your inheritance, your authority, your identity. It does not finish at the cross. Does that make sense? One, I love it, by one offering. You see, I don't know a lot about art. In fact, I really know nothing about art. (laughs) Anyone artist here? Anyone does painting, paints pictures? There's a few of you, cool. Now tell me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is when an artist paints this creative picture, when they release their gifting and they paint whatever it is, abstract, whatever, when they put their name at the bottom of the picture, the work is finished. That's it. Now it may not look finished to you because you might not understand art or what the person is trying to do, but when the artist signs it off with their signature, it is finished. My work is done, it is completed. And we might look and go, well, what is it? Well, you can't just see it. Use your mind, get creative. But it's finished. It doesn't need any more you know, description. It doesn't need the paintbrush here and there. No, no, it is done as it is. It is finished. And when he said it is finished, it is finished. And the Greek word for that word is, I'll see if I can pronounce this, testalistai. So there's one word that explains our three English words. It is finished, testalistai. To give you another picture, it's like at the moment we are paying off a bed that we bought I don't know, two years ago. It's 40, 40 months interest free. You don't have to pay for till forever. It's awesome. It's this king size bed. I don't even know Danielle's even there. It's like we roll over. That's, I mean that in a good way. But you, you, know, you know what it is. Like guys, you know? I mean, anyone that has children knows what I'm talking about. You have the biggest lump in the family and you have the smallest amount of space in the bed. <sighs> yeah, man. You know, it's like you're living on this little thing and Maddie's there and Lily's there and Danielle's like, <sighs> you know, like, and you don't even have any covers, do you? So, <laughs> I, I, I literally take when it says, love, love your wife as I love you. I literally take that and live in that. <laughs> it's alright, the football's on. So we've got this bed and we're paying it off. It's, it's I don't know, it's 70 bucks a month. 
Now, at the end of the time that's paid off in a year, whatever that is, do you think that I'm going to continue paying that bet off once it's paid off? No. Am I? It's finished. It's done. I'm not going to give those people more money, gee, and more money, more, when I've paid it off. It's paid off. Done. Dealt with. You can't do anything about it. He did it for you. Accept it. Walk in it. And walk into your inheritance. Who he's called us to be. It truly is phenomenal. You see, under the old covenant, we had a, a, a priest who would have to go into the Holy of Holies place once a year to give offerings and atonement for the people through the, the sacrifice of an animal. He would go, an animal. He would go in once a year, every year. When Jesus came, when Jesus did what he did on the cross, he established or superseded or completed the covenant with one act of love. For one time, one time only, nailed, finished, done. No longer every year going back. No, it's sorted. That is good news. That is fantastic news. What he accomplished, the redemption, the perfection of man forever for those who acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Which means today, if you do not know him, if you've never ever invited him to be your Lord and your Saviour, or your Saviour and your Lord, and you want to choose to commit your life to walk and discover what that means, that you have been created to be a child of God. You have always been created to have a heavenly Father, whether you know it or not, who wants to be that Father, complete that for you. You can make that decision today because what Jesus did 2,000 years ago opens up the door for you to just walk in and grab that gift and say, I want that, Greg. And so if you want that today, you can have it today. And I want to just read Hebrews 9 um, to you, uh, 11 to 15. Hebrews 9, 11 to 15, just to confirm what I've just said. But when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all. Isn't that awesome? You see, you know my analogy of the painter? Jesus signed at the cross with his blood and his body. It is finished. That was his signature, like the artist's signature. It says here, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh. Listen to this. How much more? You know, he says that to you in Matthew 7. Ask, seek and knock. How much more does the Father want to give once you've settled this issue and you've moved forward? He's awesome. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That is good news, great news, incredible news. There is nothing holding you and me back. Nothing. From his reality. Nothing at all. That's why Mike said repent, change the way you think. Because if you think there is, then your thinking's not aligned to his, which means you are going to be held back. But from his perspective today, right now, there is nothing. I've done everything. Walk in it. And experience it. 
not just know it in your head, but experience it life-changing. Because he's come to reform us, to form us into. Not just give us information, but to form us into something for a bigger purpose and plan that he has in the future. Okay, the second thing is he has perfected for all time. I want to hear, say those words to me. He has perfected for all time. That's not very convincing. <laughs> say it like you mean it. Say it like, if you don't mean it, if you don't believe it, if you don't think like it, just say it anyway. So you can hear it. That The Word of God, faith comes from hearing the Word. And when you speak forth life, guess what? It can change reality. So let's say it again. He has perfected for all time. That's better. Not only by one offering, and one offering only, but by one way. That's why it says He it's not multiple, it's not these options, it's Him. He has perfected. That's why there are not multiple ways to God. There are no multiple ways. You know, people say, oh, there must be ten ways. How come all this? Well, my, my good mate says there's not. There's one way. One and one equals two. It doesn't equal two point a bit. And one plus two equals three. There's only one absolute truth and it's Him. One Way, one perfect sacrifice, one blood that was spilt for us to receive perfection and holiness. That's why he said, I am the way, I am the gate, I am the pathway, I am the life, I am the truth. It's not more clear than that. And we hopefully know that as Christians. We can give answers to a lost world that asks those questions because you know what, to be perfect, you can't make yourself perfect. He's the only one that was perfect. He is the only one that defeated death. He is the only one that can take a sinful nature and give you as a substitution a perfect nature. It's Him. He has perfected for all time. That is good news. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? Nothing to do with me, what I can do, and everything to do with what He has done. Man, that is good news. Knowing that I can't mess it up, because I will. <laughs> See, all other belief systems are trying to work their way to God. If only I get good enough, if only I do this, if only if I give this much, if only I do that, if only if I pray 10 million times a day and you know, tick all the right boxes. Well, they're trying to find perfection. We're on this journey of trying to discover, you know, you've got to redefine, you've got to do it. No, no, he said it's done. It's done. You don't have to do a thing apart from accept it. By faith, grab hold of it. Sorry, I'm spitting, I'm getting excited. Whew, I'll stand back. <laughs> See, here's some incredibly... Good news for someone today, maybe for all of us, is that it's not our good works or being a good person that qualifies us for perfection. But in the same breath, it's not our bad works or being a bad person that disqualifies us either. Which then raises a question, doesn't it? It's like a uh-uh moment. If our good works or being a good person doesn't disqualify us, and our bad works or being a bad person, whatever that is, doesn't disqualify us, then what is it truly all about? It's about His love. It's about His grace and what He has accomplished. He has made us perfect and our part is belief or faith 
in what what he did, not works. Our perfection has absolutely nothing to do with our works, whether good or bad, bad, but everything to do with what he has done. And I'm just going to keep nailing this home. So at the end of today, you can go, you know what? Not about me, not about me, not about my shortcomings, not about my failings, about what he did in the cross. And by faith, I'm choosing to believe in that, walk in that, discover the revelation of that. So when that cut drops on me, whenever that is, I am saved by the grace and your mercy. Thank you. And I'm coming, I'm inheriting everything you have for me, confidently before the throne of grace. Knowing I can stand before a holy and righteous God with a hungry heart. Come on, come on. I'm here to serve you. What are we going to do together? Rather than, you know, I'm just useless, I'm hopeless, oh gee, I'm looking at porn again on the internet and I'm, I'm boozing up again and I hit the cat and I hit the dog. Help me. He says, I already have. Change the way you think. Come on, let's go, son. And he's so gracious, isn't he? He's so loving. He doesn't give you a smack on the back of the head. He just picks you up and says, come on, look at the cross again. Look at the cross again. Hang out with your brothers. Hang out with your sisters. The influence of them. Come on, let's go. Let's do this thing called discipleship that I came and modelled for you. <sighs> Gee, I need a bit of a drink. <laughs> Where am I up to? I'm going to stick to my notes today because I really feel, I've really thought, not that I don't think other things through, but it's, there's real clarity. So I'm going to, listen to what Charles Stanley said in his book, Eternal Security. Acting like God's child didn't get you in. Not acting like one won't get you tossed out. Isn't that good? Acting like God's child, it didn't get you in, so not acting like one won't get you tossed out. God's unconditional love is eternal. Who's a parent here? I have two beautiful little girls, as you know. They're going to do some things that are going to upset me, break my heart, disappoint me. At the same time, they're going to do amazing things which I'm going to love, I'm going to be so proud of, I'm going to honour them and all that thing. In the stuff that they do wrong, does that mean I'm going to go out your door and this love is gone on your bike because you know what? You got pregnant at 16. Gee, that's a really bad thing for a pastor's daughter to have. So on your bike, I'm disowning you. No way. This grace, this mercy. It's like, why would I as a natural father tell my own children to because they're maybe not making the best choices and maybe they're failing and maybe they're not living up to a standard that I've created in my head. And God says, you know what? My grace covers that in the hope of the revelation of that they would actually live to that standard. And it's so unconditional, Greg, that you can't fully even understand it, but you've got to somehow get the revelation of it. I know a lot of Christians that think they know grace, but they really, by their choices of lifestyles and the way they act and the self-righteousness of it, they don't know grace at all. They really don't. When you capture grace, it humbles you so much of what he did how can I ever look at anyone else and have self-righteousness coming out of me when I know who I am without the cross? And there's no way I'm kicking my children out because they maybe don't actually meet some sort of standard. Why did I create them? For love. It was through a loving covenant relationship that I would release them to discover more of God. So why would God kick you out? Because you know what? You're struggling in certain areas of your life. It's done with, dealt with, captured the revelation of it. And the revelation of that then creates something inside of you. It says, 
I don't want to do that anymore. And God, by your power and by my me making faith choices, God, I you increase, I decrease. There's actually an order to that when you capture that. It's not, I can't die to my own self through self. It's through more of Him and His Word and His truth. As I engage and turn my focus to Him, He increases, I decrease. But it is finished, it is done in the hope that I would engage with that process. I can't go back. And I'll share this picture right now because I shared this a couple of weeks back. And I preached on freedom, which is a similar sort of message this morning, but a little bit different. And as I was preparing for that message, God showed me this vault. He showed me this incredible vault. And I went, my goodness. And it was so big that it actually, you know, it needed to be on a, an automatic system. So when the guy hit the button, it, it just and it took for ages to open the door. And as the door opened, and it was about this thick, there was this incredible light that was just emanating out of the room. And he said, walk in. And I walked in and I'm standing in this incredible light. And the door started to shut behind me. It was like... And then God took me and and I could see the person on the other side of the vault actually tightening the vault up. Are you you with me? And I'm on the inside. And then I could see him actually getting a gas torch and sealing the vault down. And then I returned, if you like, I'm on the other side, I'm just consuming this light. And God said to me, your stuff, everything that you do and will ever do and continue to do is on the other side of the door. And you cannot get to it anymore. Because not only is it sealed with the thing, but I actually sealed it with the gas torch. And from my perspective, that's how I see you now in the fullness of the light. I don't see you with the stuff that's behind the door and your reality or your revelation, you need to get the reality that I, how I see you. And then he said, just walk into, and I started walking into this incredible light. That is, it is finished, my children. My sons and daughters, it's finished, done. You can't get to it how he sees it. The challenge is for us to be able to see it that way, isn't it? That's why the Bible says, renew your thinking. Renew your thinking through the Spirit. I just want to read you Ephesians 2, 4-9. Because this is probably one of the most powerful passages. I mean, they're all powerful, aren't they? But <laughs> Made alive in Christ. Now before, just before, in verses 1-4, to it's talking about, you know, you were dead in your sins, which you formerly walked in, you were, you know, there was the, the prince of the air was in control, you were sons of disobedience, you were falling to the desires of the flesh and all these things. And in verse 4 it says, But God. Aren't you grateful for but God? <laughs> it's like all these things and then bang, a statement, a line in the sand, but God, being rich in mercy. He is the richest person on planet earth and beyond the galaxies. He is rich. He's abundant. He's extravagant. He's indescribable. He's unfathomable. He's rich in mercy to his people. That is great news. 
that he is, we've got a God who is rich in mercy because of his great, what? Love. With which he loved us. I thank you that he loves me before I chose to love him. I thank you that he was the one that chased me. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by what? By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not, a resu- not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. The reason God is so specific about this area is because He actually knows we're going to have a hard time grabbing hold of it. I believe. He's very specific. He lays it out very clear because He, he knows us. He knows we are conditional beings. He knows that we can't love unconditional without the love of God in us. It's impossible to love unconditionally without his agape. You might think you do, but you don't, really. You might be on a process, but it's the love of God, the agape love of God. He knows we struggle with this whole concept of unconditional love. So he makes it very clear. Because we attach our shortcomings, our mistakes, our failures and our works to our salvation or the gift that Jesus offers. But as we have just read, the Bible doesn't say we are saved by works and faith. It says we are saved by grace through faith. It does not say we are saved by works and faith. It says that we are saved by grace through belief. And that that is a gift. Is that clear? How many of us like receiving gifts? One person on this side, maybe a couple. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm into this. How many ladies got a day spa from last week? If you were here last week, you'll know what that meant. I know Rosa Douglas did. She even emailed tell me. I said about the chocolates that we were giving out and we said one of the chocolates might turn into a day spa. And she emailed me, it's amazing, I've got a day spa out of it. We like receiving gifts, don't we? And God says this thing called grace, it's a gift. And you don't earn it through works, it comes through faith. See, what he did on the cross is separated from me. Otherwise it becomes conditional. Some of you look at me a little bit cross-eyed, it's good. A gift is given from one person to another through an act of love. It is not earned by the person receiving the gift. It is a gift. It's free. And all the person has to do to accept this gift is receive it. Yes? Now here's another thought. If the person accepts the gift but doesn't choose, sorry, if the person, uh, the person accepts the gift but doesn't choose to use the gift or fully engage with the gift, Does this mean they have lost the gift or the gift is no longer theirs? No. So I'll paint another picture for you. If anybody here is feeling very generous and would like to go to the uh, upper hut, no, lower hut golf course and pull out a 
King Cobra steel shafted driver for the value of $700 but it's half price at $300 at the moment and choose to buy their senior pastor, uh, this, uh, this golf driver as a gift. Um, there were two there when I phoned up during the week but anyway... Um, <laughs> And then someone else in their ultimate generosity went, you know what, he really needs some new, uh, you know, like tailor-made RC9 clubs and, you know, just going to bless him with those. And all of a sudden I've, I've got these two incredible gifts in front of me that I can play a bit of golf with. Um, <sighs> and I choose to use the driver that is in the R, R, R9 tailor-made golf set and I don't choose to use the King Cobra does that mean that the King Cobra is not mine? No. If I put it on the shelf and continue to let it sit in my garage, does it still mean that it's not mine if it never comes on the golf course with me? No. It is still my club, my gift. Now I might choose to pull it out and give it a go and hopefully work it. Oh, it's actually not bad. It might be better than the other. Or put it back and I might actually go backwards and forwards. I'm sure the person that gave me the gift of the, the King Cobra driver really wanted me to use it all the time and to engage with it and to use it and to get better with it and to have it in my golf bag, yes? But it's still my gift. And I thank you, Lord, for the gift of the cross. I thank you for the blood and the body your blood and body, your gift that was given to me in the hope, by faith, that I would engage to the fullness of the gift. But whether I do or I don't, I still thank you that I am justified and sanctified by your blood and your righteousness is upon me. And I thank you for that. We need to capture the revelation, and I mean the revelation, the peeling back of that word revelation is the apocalypsis, which means the unveiling of. It's not just something you know in your head, it's something that actually hits your heart to the point where it's heart and head, it's both, but it actually changes you. See, if we're no different from what we were six months ago, there's something wrong. We've just got a whole lot of information we're not being formed into. You see, there's three dimensions of teaching, information, formation, revelation. Jesus was forming, he says, be formed, be made into my image. And we need to we can capture this revelation of the cross for mankind, it was sufficient for the redemption of man. You see, just because the gift may have been put on the shelf or it is brought out now and again, or maybe, unfortunately, it is even being abused. It doesn't mean the person doesn't have the gift or is disqualified from the gift because if it does, then our justified state becomes conditional on what we do with the gift and not what the giver of the gift has accomplished. The fruit of the Spirit, it's an indicator or a barometer of my intimacy with God. It's not whether I'm saved or not. It's an indicator of my intimacy with Him. Do I have peace and joy coming out of me because I'm intimate with the Father? I'm allowing to be consumed and defined by His truth. I'm choosing by faith. I've grabbed hold of the gift. By faith I believe that to be true. And now I walk and I turn away. We're being justified and sanctified in the fullness 
And you know what? I'm being formed into His image, which is the fruit of the Spirit coming out of me. I have love, patience, joy, kindness, gentleness, self-control. It's an indicator of my intimacy with Him, not whether I'm saved or not. I love this. See, our faith in what He accomplished that saves us, not our actions. Let me just read. I'm going to give you three different parts of the Bible because this is it's everywhere. God's not dumb. He, what He does, He spreads His messages throughout the whole Word. So it's not just in one book. It's like here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is, and here it is to show you that He didn't make mistakes, that He's intentional. Listen to Romans 3.21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Which is what I said before, your good works aren't going to get you in, your bad works won't get you in either. Okay? We've all fallen short of the glory. Being, here we go, justified as a gift by His grace. I'm justified and it's a gift by His grace, what He did through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God He passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of His righteousness at the present time so that He would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. Uh, Galatians 2, 15, 16. This is good news, guys. I'm telling you, if we grab the revelation of this, it's, it'll set you free in a whole lot of areas. Uh, 15, 2, 15, Galatians 2, 15. We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. In Philippians 3, 9, And there's a, you know, there's a bit of context before this talks about what Christ has done. Paul says, you know, like, this life I'm now going to live, I'm, it's, where I was, it's just, it's pointless, it's worthy. He says, and may be found in Him, in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. When we doubt our justified state, we continually doubt what the blood of Jesus accomplished for us and we have no peace so we struggle to move forward. That's why the battlefield is in our heads. The enemy is going to try and rob you right here. There are voices, multiple voices telling us a whole lot of things. So whose voice are we listening to? Because this is the battlefield of the mind. It's why God says, as I said before, you need to don't conform to the patterns of the world, be transformed through the renewing through the Spirit. So you think differently, repent, re come back, pent, get up at penthouse and see the view from God's perspective, what it looks like. Because it's arrived now, it's here, it's not there, it's here. Transform the way you think, not only in my kingdom, but even in the cross. 
Listen to Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith again, we have peace with God. Have you got a peace today knowing that your eternity is secure? I hope you have. If you haven't, I pray you do after today. Or I pray after today you might go and have a listen again and just allow this to consume over you and meditate on it and allow the truth to permeate you. I remember having a discussion with two mates of mine a few years ago and I said, I said do you guys know that you're going to heaven? And they looked, both looked at me and said, no. One had been Christian for all his life and the other had been Christian for about a year or so. No, I don't have that security. And I was like, wow. And I did. I know. I know that I know that I know. Because I know him. And I know what he did for me. And fast forward a number of years and I was just with this guy yesterday and it just sort of popped into my head and I guess it was tied with this message. I said, hey, you know how we asked those questions years ago? I said, I said is it now... Is, is your eternity security? He said, absolutely. Absolutely. Has been for a while now. And you know what peace comes with that? Knowing that I'm not going back. I'm not like a dog that's going back to its vomit and just a pig in mud going, oh, here I am again. Now hear me, if, if we're doing some things that are out of alignment, sure, conscience convicts, repent, ask them to forgive and then get back on the horse. Give it like about that much of your time. Literally. Genuinely repent. I'm sorry for where I am, but God, I'm a son or a daughter in Christ. You paid for that. I'm moving forward. Because that's right. I saw that picture of the vault and I'm not supposed to be on the other side. I'm on this side walking into the light and being defined more and more by the light. Although I am light at the same time. And the third thing, see, he has perfected for all time. Actually, I'm going to finish this, this passage, sorry, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into grace, in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Second point was, He has perfected for all time this thing called our righteousness. Number three, those who are sanctified. We can be saved in our spirits because of the work of the cross, but have no intimacy with God. Now I believe that's where the challenge is today for the church. The intimacy with God. That we have a relationship where we genuinely are on a process of loving Him with all our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds and all of our strength. See, it's done, it's finished, it's paid for here to Stelostai. Now move forward into this relationship with me where you are intimate with me because I've got incredible things that I want to show you and work with you on. And There is just, your mind cannot, the Corinthians says this, our mind cannot conceive what the Spirit wants to show us and who we are invited to become and the role we are invited to partake of in this future kingdom. Some will have a stranger save them and not want to get to know them, while others will want to marry the one who saved them. I'm going to read that again. Some will have a stranger save them and not want to get to know the stranger. 
accept that. Thank you very much. I believe that. But this is, seems to be a bit more narrower pathway to have this intimacy with you. It requires a bit more much than just the gift now. That's right. I've paid for it, done it all. We're all invited to partake. But this, this now where the truth starts to define us, it starts to want to shape us. It, you know, it's like Holy Spirit. If I was to ask us all, what's the role of the Holy Spirit? I'd say, and maybe this is maybe general, but I'd say most people would say, oh, to be my comforter, to be my counsellor. Sure, yep, the Bible says that. also says the Holy Spirit's role is to bring conviction of sin, justice, righteousness. Whoa, really? Yeah, it does. Why? To straighten us up. To internally rework us through a process of sanctification, which is different to sanctified, which we'll talk about as we go forward, but to be presented as his son. Internal shift, then an, uh, internal, then an external one. See, the whole church today is focusing so much on the external stuff, and that's right, but we've forgotten about the internal workings. And I personally believe the internal side of us, which is, once again, we're going to understand, made perfect and whole by the blood, but then there's a process of you know, our will, our mind, our emotions being defined by his truth, isn't it? Which is, a, which is another work which is where we don't do that once again through us, but through the Spirit and by choosing faith. So it's my faith over my feelings. It's your will over my will. See, the cross was won at the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus went as a man, if there is any other way in which this can be done, and he goes, there isn't, I'm choosing your will over mine. It's what Paul talks about, isn't he? Dying to self, what is that? We're going to look at that as we go forward because it's not, I can't die to self through self. It's through the power of God and the Spirit of God. Um, Hebrews 10.10 By his will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once and for all. Not only does Jesus justify us, he also sanctifies us by his blood enabling us to come into the Holy of Holies and stand before a holy and righteous God without the fear of being separated from Him. Done, sorted, I have done it all, it's finished, you can come into my presence. You know, Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews, or is it Galatians, come boldly before the throne room of God because I've, made, excuse me, I've justified you, I've sanctified you, you are pure, you can stand without being evaporated. That's why you can't get into heaven without the blood of Christ because you'll be evaporated. That's why there is only one way because it's pure. That's why God can't come down in the fullness of who He is because if He turned up and who He was, you know, there'd be none of us. His purity alone, His holiness would wipe out every dark thing. And He goes, what I've done enables you to come into my presence because it is done, it is finished. You are justified by my blood sanctified, it is beautiful, the word sanctified means consecrate things to God, to purify by expiation, which means to make amends for wrongdoing, free from the guilt of sin. Amen, free from the guilt of sin. If you're guilty, if you're feeling guilty, it's done, it's dealt with, move on. Believe by faith, it is sorted out. 
And don't allow the enemy to rob you one more bit of what God has for you because it will. There's nothing in our past worth going back for. There's nothing and he's going to try and just lock you down and keep you down. He comes to steal, kill and destroy and rob you, not from your salvation because you can't get that, but from your inheritance. He comes to stop you being all God chose you to be and that's where the battle is, in the middle of that. And God allows that to actually happen because he's looking for a people who are going to be defined by his truth. He gives you your ticket and gets you in. He says, right now, you're going to do something about this. Your will is going to be in alignment to mine. Your, your feelings are going to be defined by my faith, by my, sorry, by my word, my truth. And your emotions are going to come into alignment. And you will be... That's why he says, keep standing firm. Do not be yoked again to the bond of slavery, to the yoke. Galatians 5 verses 1. You are... And it's for freedom that I have come. And it was accomplished at the cross. Now grab hold of it and inherit it. Amen? Our perfection in Christ or our righteousness in Christ is based on His love and His grace and what we have to do is accept this by faith and then live our life out by faith which is the process of sanctification not to be confused with being sanctified by Christ at the cross. Sanctification is the process of bringing our minds, our will and our emotions under the Lordship of Christ by faith. So when he said to the centurion, man... I see this man, this faith on this man. He sees who I am and he's on a process of coming under that submission. If you say, I'm a man under authority, I have men above me or below me, sorry. The process has nothing to do with our justified, sanctified state, but it has everything to do with our inheritance or rewards in the future kingdom of God. That's why Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. See, he got the revelation. When he's on the road to Damascus, he gets a revelation from heaven, doesn't he? He says, this wasn't taught to me by man. This was an encounter with God himself, Jesus himself. He caught the revelation of what was paid for on the cross and he was catapulted forward. He didn't go back and beat himself up and say, man, oh, well, gee, oh, gee, I've got to you know, repent forever about what I've done. I've killed all these Christians and I've put them all in jail. He went, oh, my goodness, I'm sorry, repent, but now I'm going forward. And then he says these incredible words, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I've been purified, sanctified. He's come into me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith now. Faith what? Once again, mind, will, emotions coming under the authority of God and the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul captured the revelation of the cross, the grace, the gift that was exchanged. And from this starting point, he launched his life by faith again in this very fact. Are we catching this today? I truly hope you are. Because, man, it's revolutionary. It'll transform even more where you might be at today. And I'm just going to, I just, I know it's 51 minutes. I'm just going to read this real quick. Okay? It's about knowing intimately, I should turn the timer off. It's about knowing intimately who lives in us and what he has accomplished for us. And in living your life from the inside out by faith in him from this perspective. We cannot do and, so we, we do not and cannot make ourselves any more holier or perfect than what Jesus has accomplished for us. 
I mean, there are some people that whip themselves, beat themselves and try and decapitate their body in the hope of trying to make themselves somehow more holier. Missing the whole point. It's done. It's finished once and for all through me for those that are sanctified who choose by faith to believe in me. That is incredibly good news knowing it has nothing to do with me. I can't do that stuff and make me any more holy than what I already am. It's about knowing intimately. I've read that, sorry. That's why the greater the revelation we have of God's grace, the more likely we are to be the overcomer that the Bible speaks of and experience the inheritance that awaits those who live their lives by faith. Now I'm going to say this, there is an inheritance or rewards in the future kingdom of God for those who choose to walk this life of faith that those who choose not to won't receive. Jesus has made it completely possible for every single one of us to receive this inheritance or reward by what he did on the cross, but our choices determine this. So there is going to be, there is rewards and inheritance for every single one of us that God has for us, for those who choose to overcome their will, who overcome their feelings, who overcome their emotions and their mind and be transformed, there is an inheritance and a future coming kingdom reward that God has for every single one of us. But it is not option, it's not going to be automatic. You have to choose to walk a certain way to receive that. He has bought and paid for. It is finished. You're in the game. You can't go back. The door is shut. It's sealed, okay? It's nothing to do with your eternal separation from God at all. That is done. You are going to heaven. Heaven is that way. New heaven, new earth is that way. I can't go that way. But now he says, I want you to love me with everything you have. It's about intimacy with the Father as I walk this out. And as I walk this out by being faithful and obedient and perseverance through the Spirit of God and the power of God, it's not about me doing it, it's Him doing it. He must increase as I decrease. As I choose faith over feelings and allow my mind to be transformed, there is an inheritance that awaits that the Bible talks about and we're going to unpack this as we go forward. And it is invited for every single one of us. Isn't that good news? It ain't for the special people. It's not for the people that know how to play all the licks or sing all the songs or send me ten bucks here and I'll pray for you here and, you know, like um, all that stuff. It's for ordinary people like you and me who have an extraordinary God on the inside of us. And we walk this walk by faith. And that's what Paul is saying. This life that I now live in the flesh, I live it by faith. So he can still and did have his struggles, didn't he? The things that I want to do, oh, can't seem to do. And the thing, anything I want to do, ah, oh, was this salvation in doubt? No. no. I mean, Paul, we're talking about Paul. He knew, say, he was just having the struggle between flesh and spirit. It's done, finished. One for once, through one person, done. Listen to what John 1.12 says. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that I am your child, that I have been adopted into your family. I don't know any one person that has adopted a kid and he wants to give them back. They're adopted because there is a hunger, there is a pursuit, there is a love for a child. Sealed, signed, delivered. The Bible says the Holy Spirit has sealed you. 
You're His. You're His child. Thank You for the cross, Lord, that empowers all that. What has this one act of love and grace accomplished for us? Remember, it's a starting point. It's not the end. We don't stay at the cross. We move forward past the cross. One, eternal security. Our eternal destination is secured because of what He did and our faith in what He did, not me. Our eternal security today, if you've confessed Jesus with your mouth, He is Lord and Saviour, believed it with all your heart. He sees the heart decisions that we make. He's the only one that sees our heart. No one is to judge you. No one can judge you. Don't let anyone else tell you anything. He sees your heart, not man. And if you believe with all your heart and confess with your mouth, whatever time you have, your eternity is secured. Number two, you have a living relationship with God now. Now. He wants to show you, use you, show incredible things. The transformation that He wants to do through you that you will see is incredible. Life and life abundantly now. No matter what we go through, God says, doesn't it, tribulation is going to come, trial is going to come. It's not about just this rosy, it's good, but it's going to be the best life. And you can have it life now, life abundantly. And for the opportunity, although not guaranteed, as I said, it's not automatic, but you've been, the gift is there, the invitation is there to receive our inheritance, a reward in the coming kingdom of God. So the question is, it's been paid for, it is done. Moving past that point, knowing that is done, do you want the inheritance, the reward that God has on offer? We've all been invited to a wedding. The Bible speaks about that. We've all been given these talents. and Although everyone's saved, there's one guy who didn't do anything with his talent. Not about salvation, it's about inheritance. Go read Revelation. The overcomers will inherit. It's the bride of Christ. We've all been invited to it. Our intimacy with the Father will determine it. He chooses, not us, not me. It's His choice. He sees. He sees what's going on inside. He sees the love. He sees the dedication. He sees the enormity of my relationship with him. All been invited. He longs for us to all partake of him and in him. The choice is ours. But you know what? It's finished, done, paid for, completed at the cross. Now move in it. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. For oh, Lord, I just thank you. I love you, God. I thank you that you have done everything possible for us. You don't leave any single bit of detail out. You cross the T's, you dot the I's. There is not even a glimpse of a crack in what you did. So Lord, just help us to see it through faith, through the eyes of revelation, through the spirit of revelation and walk in the fullness of it by faith as we continue to allow your Spirit to purge us through the Spirit as we choose you over self, as we focus on you over self. And through that process we have over a period of time and continue, we'll 
There's less of us and there's more of you. Help us to see, because if we can see the finish line, we can run towards it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you are with us today and you know you've as I said before you want to make that decision you want to make a decision for Christ and just if we just maybe just keep still for just two seconds just give me a wave I just ask you to put, just put your hand up you say Greg that's me ready to make a decision don't feel pressured to do it as I've said before it'll cost you everything but you will find everything so you need to be ready you need to know you want to do it Jesus would say why would a man go to war and not count the cost of what this means? Is anyone here today that wants to say, that's me, I know I'm separated from God, I know today, if I died today, I wouldn't be going to be with him, I'd be in a place, the Bible calls Hades, hell, I'd be waiting judgment. He came and died on a cross to make a pathway for you to connect and be in a relationship. It's always about the relationship. The sin was the problem. Jesus dealt with that at the cross. It's always been about the relationship. If you want to get connected back to your Father today, just give me a quick wave and we'll close the meeting. Cool. Okay, have a fantastic day. Come out tonight. I'm going to be talking on part two of this message of freedom and what um, freedom we are to walk in. So have an awesome day. Thanks, guys.